When I first joined the center, I think assets under management at that point were roughly 35 million. And then since then, we've grown to 60 in just a short three-ish years. Welcome to the Business Class Podcast, where we dive into conversations with alumni, students, faculty, and staff from the University of Dayton School of Business Administration. You'll hear career advice, conversations about ethical decision-making in business, and listen to stories from life on the UD campus. Here's your host, Dean Trevor Collier. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Flyer Business Podcast. I'm your host and interim of the School of Business, Trevor Collier. I'll be joined today by Bridget Momper and Dan Capusta. Bridget is a senior finance major and currently serves as the senior manager of the Richard and Susan Davis Center for Portfolio Management. Dan is a lecturer in finance and director of the Davis Center. Thanks for joining me today, Dan and Bridget. Happy to be here. Very happy to be here. I'd like to start our journey with a little background on the two of you, uh, and then we'll talk more about the Davis Center in general, share some some really exciting national news about the center, and and then close with some other odds and ends and and questions about you guys and the future of of the Davis Center. So Bridget, maybe could you start? uh, Tell us a little bit more about your journey to the University of Dayton. Where did you go to high school and, and how did you first hear about UD? Sure. So I'm from Cincinnati and I went to St. Ursula Academy. I think University of Dayton was kind of always on my radar being it's only an hour away. Um, so a lot of girls from my school have looked at Dayton in the past and it was kind of always on my radar. Um, I also have some family members that have been here. And I think initially I was very sold on the fact of going far away and getting out of Ohio. Um, and then I think when I was on campus is one of those gut feelings that you kind of just feel comfortable and it feels like home. And I loved the people and the Davis center is actually a spot that we rotated through when we were on the tour. And I remember walking in and being so intimidated and wanting to walk immediately back out. Um, And then when I toured a bunch of other schools across the country, kind of had this in the back of my mind, saw if they had something similar and most schools do have something similar, not to the same degree necessarily. And that is what really stood out to me um, in terms of our business school. I, I, it's funny, you mentioned wanting to go far away and then, and then not ending up doing so. <laughs> I can remember my dad taking me on tours, uh, really, really just one tour, but it was the summer before my senior year of high school. And he said, where, you know, where do you want to go to school? And I said, I don't know. So where do you not want to go to school? And I said, okay, I, I don't want to go to school in the state of Kentucky, which is where I was from, where I'd grown Perfect. up. And I don't want to go to a small school. I want to go to a big school. And so we toured a bunch of large state schools outside of Kentucky. And then I ended up going to a small liberal arts school within the state of Kentucky. Uh, so right. <laughs> it's funny how things work out like that. Did you know that you wanted to be a finance major when you, when you started at UD? So I didn't. I originally was planning on doing speech pathology. And my two older brothers and then my dad are also in finance. And so I wanted it to be different from them. Um, Obviously, that's not how it worked out. I worked at my dad's um, wealth management firm over the summer coming into freshman year. And that was kind of forced on me, but I did it. And I listened to a lot of his calls with clients and got to listen to him talk about the market. And I think I had to admit to myself that I really enjoyed it, uh, much to my dismay. And so then I switched my major to finance after that. You caught the bug over the summer. I did. I did. (laughs) So, you know, I, I think in finance, you know, I'm sure you've noticed as you as you look around the room in many of your classes, it's a 
predominantly male. Uh, you know, I think our, our ratio is, is maybe 70% male, 30% female for the, for the major as a whole, uh, which is you know, something we'd like to change. What's your experience been like as, as one of the few females in those classes? Yeah, I think that ratio is actually pretty strong compared to the rest of the actual finance industry. But um, I guess I'd say that I never really noticed it in classes. I think in the Davis Center, when I first came in, it was maybe a little bit more obvious. There weren't as many girls then, and there are four times the amount of girls now um, from when I first came in. But I, I do like being challenged, and I feel like being surrounded by, I mean, a lot of great people and guys especially that have really challenged me. I've really enjoyed it. And I think that the overall industry is definitely taking um, a turn for the better. There's a lot of pressure from every firm to hire more women. And um, I think that is a great decision down the long term. But um, that's another thing that we're really trying to keep in mind in the Davis Center is that we want to make sure we're being inclusive and that we're diverse. And um, I think we've seen that change for the better over the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we, we would definitely, I think Dan and I would both agree, we'd like to see a, a better gender balance in the Davis Center. I, I think having a female leader is, you know, a great way to show our, our future flyers and incoming freshmen, potential members of the Davis Center that, you know, women are, are welcome and, and are, uh, can, can succeed in, in that entity. So thank you for uh, blazing the trail there for, for other females. Uh, Dan, could you maybe tell us a little bit about more about your background? Where, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to college? Well, I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I'm a little bit older than you, Trevor, but uh, I'm a proud graduate of Pius XI High School. We were called the Pius Popes. And I remember back being a sophomore when we got our, our, our basketball shoes and they were Chucky Taylors. And we were excited to have Chucky Taylors and they were gold, the school color. But after a Pius, I went on to get my bachelor's at the University of Wisconsin. And after that, I went and got my MBA um, in finance or MBA specializing in finance at Michigan State and graduated in 86. Nice. If I remember correctly, you, you played a sport. You were, you were an athlete in college. Is that right? Uh, that, is, that is correct. Um, at Wisconsin, I was a walk-on. I was a goalkeeper for the 1980 state championship team in Wisconsin in soccer. And um, I was uh, not very highly recruited. I took a visit at Xavier and I passed on that school. And I ended up going up to Wisconsin and my sweeper, my fullback ahead of me, my, one of my best friends in college, went to two a days, made the team, convinced me to go out. And uh, I still remember that tryout like yesterday. And uh, I thought that maybe I saved 20% of the shots and there's no way I'd make the team. And Coach Redden put his arm around me and said, welcome to the team, Dan, go get your stuff from the equipment manager. And I was extremely thrilled. I only played one year and then I, really kind of focused on my studies and fell in love with equities my senior year. I see a soccer ball in the background. What's the relevance of that? I just needed to put that up to have a little bit of a momentum. That's actually from the Columbus crew. Uh, they won the MLS title last year and I got that signed at an auction. So one of my proud moments. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> so you had a long career before joining the UD faculty. Can you give us maybe the, the cliff notes of, of, what were, what were the different positions? What, what, what's your career path been prior to, to joining UD? Yeah, I had a, uh, an investment equity um, institutional investment uh, career that spanned about 30 years. I started out after graduate school, went out to be a, a sell-side research analyst at Robert W. Baird in Milwaukee. 
and in 1992 uh, pivoted to the buy side and went to work for Bank One Investment Advisors in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, rose through the ranks from being a senior research analyst on the buy side to an equity portfolio manager and then eventually the growth team leader where I managed a, a team of about 12 professionals and we managed $6 billion of assets. From there, when Bank One got bought out, uh, four of us uh, did a little lift out and went to a uh, the uh, Fortune 500 insurance firm that many of you are familiar with in Cincinnati, Western and Southern. And their money management arm is Fort Washington. And they gave us about $50 million of seed money. And we grew that until uh, we dismantled in 2014 to about $950 million. And then was semi-retired for a couple of years and then found the urge to teach and came to UD in 2017. Tell me about that. Where did you, you see the job posting and, and what were your thoughts as you started considering coming into the, uh, the academic world? Well, one of my colleagues at Bank One, uh, he and I would have lunch even after Bank One dissolved, uh, would have lunch every single month. And we're both members of the local CFA chapter. And he noticed the listing in the CFA chapter and brought it to my attention. And he said, God, Dan, you You've always had a desire to teach and you're Catholic. What a great fit for you. And uh, actually, I think I am embarrassed to say, I think I applied on the second last day. Um, and then I got a call from, from Trevor Collier to, uh, to do an interview. And what put me over the hump was a couple of things. One was the motto of the school, learn, lead, serve. And the other aspect was actually meeting the benefactor of the center, Mr. Dick Davis. And our Final interview with Mr. Davis was at a nondescript Bob Evans restaurant in London, Ohio, and that sealed the deal. I still remember, you know, going home that uh, afternoon, calling my wife and said, you know, if I'm blessed to get offered the job, I'm absolutely going to take it. I think it would be a great opportunity and a great challenge. And uh, now I'm here. I'm in my 10th semester, Trevor. It's it just flown by. Well, we're glad, we're glad you joined us. I can remember uh, talking with Dick after after the meeting you all had, and, and he was, uh, and, and just to be clear, you met with other faculty and staff, you 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 met with students, right? We, we did yes. a very UD Marianist interview process. Everybody had a seat at the table, and, you know, when we, we talked with the students, we talked with the other faculty and staff on the search committee, and we talked with Mr. Davis, and, and everybody uh, was, was pretty excited to have you join the team, so we're, we're glad it worked out. Thank you. So we've got uh, some really exciting news. Bridget, you were recently on, uh, on local TV talking about it. Can you, you know, tell us what's, what's the big news that, that you were sharing yesterday? Sure. So we're happy to announce that the Davis Center is officially the largest student-run fund in the country. Um, and we have roughly 60 million assets under management. This is a pretty big feat and definitely puts us on the map. It's what, pretty what, what was the number again? 16 million? 60 million. 60, That's a big number. <laughs> yeah, definitely a big responsibility and a, a big privilege as well. Um, but it's crazy because when I first joined the center, I think asset center management at that point were roughly 35 million. And then since then, we've grown to 60 in just a short three-ish years. Um, and it's pretty incredible because that was a goal when we first came in. Everybody kind of talked about us being fourth and how we kept close tabs on the other universities um, that we are in competition with. And it's been great to see our name slowly rise through the ranks over the past couple of years. Congratulations. First off, this is really exciting news for, for the Davis center, for the school, for the university. Um, Dan, 
who did we just overtake? What, what, what's the, what's been the, the difference and what, what put us over the edge? Well, we just overtook the University of Minnesota that has been number one for literally the last five years. Uh, their assets under management as of June 30th was $55 million. And officially our assets at the end of the quarter were $59.9 million, which does include, um, we have an outside client, the Dayton Foundation, of managing $3.2 million for them. That's got to be pretty pretty unique for, for a university, for a student fund to be helping with, a, with an outside entity. Can you tell us more about that relationship with the Dayton Foundation? Yes, your predecessor, John Middlestat, um, really was the, the cement or the glue that got that relationship started with the president of the Dayton Foundation, Mike Parks. And we had several discussions over the summer of 2019. And, you know, we met with our consultant fund evaluation group in Cincinnati. And we really had to get over the fact that we weren't a registered investment advisor. And how would we actually put this together? Um, so actually, the registered investment advisor is the Dayton Foundation, and we advise them in terms of the, the trades that we make. But that account is separate. It's a balance account, which means that we have both equities and fixed income. And on the equity side, we both have domestic and we have international. Our level of expertise is really domestic equities, really mid-cap and large-cap. So we rely heavily then on ETFs, exchange-traded funds, to get us uh, uh, to equitize the fixed income or the international portion. Take a step back and maybe Bridget, tell us a little bit more about the Davis Center in general. What is it? How many students are involved? You know, everybody seems to talk about it. You know, when, when prospective students are coming through, we show it. Why is it so special? Sure. So the Davis Center is a completely student-run fund, um, and we use a top-down, bottom-up approach. We benchmark ourselves against the S&P 500, so our goal is to outperform them. Um, and then because of that, we break ourselves down into different sector teams. So after being let in as a full-time member, each person is put on a different sector, as well as either an economic team or a securities analysis team. Um, so you're really put and kind of thrown in the deep end right away, and it uh, teaches you a lot. There's definitely a big learning curve. Um, and it's, I think, one of the most rewarding things is just seeing how much you learn over a short couple years um, in college. And I know that I came in knowing practically the bare minimum of what a stock and a bond was. And being able to look back and see how much I've learned is really awesome. And to be on the other side of the table as well and um, see the freshmen and know that they're going to learn so much and have some really amazing career opportunities as well um, because of the involvement in the Davis Center. Uh, that sounds pretty amazing. That's something I, I certainly wish I had available to me as a student. I think I can't imagine uh, you know, a better experience for students that, that want to go into the investment industry. Uh, you know, Dan, how long has the, the center been in existence and is, is there anything else you want to share or add to what, what Bridget, Bridget shared with us? I do. The center has been in existence since 1999. So we in our 22nd year and we grew from basically $1 million um, to $59.9 million. But over the years, the board of trustees has a lot of confidence in our student managers and the total capital infusion has been $13 million. But still, $13 million to $59 million, take out the uh, Dayton Foundation. These student managers have generated capital gains of over $40 million to the university over that time period. Really remarkable. And I think what's really, 
I'm very, very proud of is not just this level of student managers for the class of 2022, but all the senior managers that have led this group over the last 22 years. And I would give a special shout out to uh, my, you know, uh, most recent senior managers with uh, talking about Alex Stahl or Mitch Schleyer or Matt Urbick or Jake Blewett or Chris Flynn, who have done an outstanding job. Because over the last five years, the student managers have generated returns at about 19.9% compounded. So it's something that to really uh, hang our hat on. We might have to call this episode zero, zero to 60, right? <laughs> 20, 22 years. They talk about how fast can a car go from zero to 60? How fast do you get an investment portfolio from zero to nice. 60? Uh, 20, 22 years. That's not bad. Um, you know, something that I, I did notice there, Dan, is you're listing off those other senior managers. Uh, those all sound like male names to me. Uh, so, so Bridget, I, I, I think you're the first female senior manager in the center since 2007. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Well, first, congratulations. Uh, you, you broke through the glass ceiling or, you know, you had a little help before, obviously, if somebody did it in 2007, but that's a long gap. Uh, are, are there things you were doing or you think we can do better uh, in the future to, to, consi- to sort of keep that momentum and, and help the center be more inviting and supportive of our female students? Yeah, I would say first, I think it's definitely helpful um, that we have more women in the Davis Center in general now, and especially we have two girls now, including myself, on the leadership team, and that was something that I never saw over the past three years. And it's definitely helpful being a young female and not having really anyone to look up to um, that you can relate to. It was kind of challenging over the past couple of years. And so I hope I can be a mentor in that way to the younger girls. Um, But in general, in terms of just growing our numbers, I think the biggest thing is increasing our applicant pool. We have a pretty good number of applicants every year, around 100, but a small portion of them are typically uh, women. And so I think talking to different clubs like women in business, making sure that our name is out there and that uh, applications are known and when they're due is probably the first easy um, thing to fix in my mind. Awesome. Thank you. Um, sure. Uh, can you tell us more? I, Dan was telling me you had a, you had an internship this past summer. Can you what was it? Where were you? Uh, and, you know, how did the Davis Center play a role in, in, in helping you with that? Yeah. So this past summer, I spent in New York and I was working for Jeffrey's group in sales and trading, fixed income. And it was a really great experience. I felt that going in, I had a good leg up on some of the other interns simply because I've done a good amount of fundamental research. And a lot of the summer was spent putting together pitches and pitching it to managing directors and analysts and associates. And it's definitely a daunting task, um, especially the Q&A portion, which we have a lot of exposure to in Finance 493 um, and often are challenged with a lot of different questions during that time. So I felt pretty comfortable um, in terms of going into that this summer with my internship. And I will be returning next July um, to work for them. And I'm very excited. And I think it's also important to mention that the pipeline of our alum is probably one of, in my mind, one of our best assets. And I would not have gotten the internship without the help of our past senior manager, Chris Flynn. Um, And that's kind of the gift that just keeps on giving. Everyone is always pushing each other to get the internship and get your foot in the door. And we all really 
are competitive with each other, but in the best way and push each other um, and want to see each other's success at the end of the day. Yeah, I was surprised when I started as, as serving as department chair and, and started interacting more at the Davis Center. And I heard about what they call the, the Dayton Mafia, which had, had, had invaded BlackRock and was just continuing to, to funnel Davis Center students to this, you know, premier institution in New York just kind of blows my mind. Uh, so it seems like once we get a foothold somewhere, uh, you know, we, we kind of open the door and, and bring bring the students that are that are below you on on through with you. Uh, Dan, she, she mentioned uh, pitches, right, which is something that that occur a lot in, in finance 493 where the students are saying, hey, we should we should buy this stock. We should sell this stock. You know, how often have you as as the director of the center and, and uh, you know, overseeing this, how often do you have to override the students and say, no, that's a, t that's a terrible idea. We absolutely shouldn't buy that or, or no, there's no way I'm selling that right now. Well, I'm really proud of my students' work ethic. They put together 20 new pitches each and every semester. That's a team of three or four analysts, uh, both from the Davis Center and then uh, young men and young women that are enrolled in Finance 493. And they have 25 minutes basically to present their case, the business description, the competitive position, the investment thesis, the risk and mitigants, and also then our price objective driven from a, a full three statement discounted cash flow model. And then after that, we have 20 to 25 minutes of Q&A. And I typically start off with the first, I'd call it the layup question, if you will. And then I turn it over to my senior manager and this year will be Bridget. And she starts with probably the tough Q&A. And that goes on for 20 minutes. And I can say that it's pretty tough to get a stock into the portfolio. The hit ratio is somewhere between 40 and 50% of those new ideas get in. But I'm really proud also that in my tenure here, um, part of uh, the term, but in the last four and a half years, I have vetoed not, I haven't vetoed any ideas. Let me actually edit that. I have vetoed no ideas, uh, which I'm really proud over that over that four and a half year time plan, plan, which really is testimony to the hard work that the young men and young women actually put into these stock pitches. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty phenomenal, Dan. Uh, it's really impressive in, in five years that uh, all of the decisions have been made by the students. Well, you know, I wanna go back to 1999 and, and talk about it, just not myself. Um, it's really the last 22 senior managers starting with Andy Molina, Jeff Rombach, and Melanie Gosebja. I mean, they laid the foundation in terms of the investment philosophy and process. And then it got carried on in terms of the next director from David Sauer to Mike Kalflesh. And Mike Kalflesh did a fabulous job in terms of teaching fundamental research. He's a principal at Fear Capital here in town. And then when he heard turned over the car keys to myself. It was really just little mm -hmm. nudges and little small changes, but it's really testimony to the process and to the philosophy that was implemented back in 1999 and then the student managers executing on that philosophy. Yeah, it, it's a pretty amazing organization. As I've gotten to meet more and more of the alumni from the Davis Center, uh, you know, every single one of them has a, has a great story to tell. Uh, every single one of them talks very highly of, of the center and, and describes in some way how the center's led to their success in, in their career you know, post-graduation. Let's pivot to some fun stuff. Uh, let, let, let's talk about UD a little bit more in general. So on, on this podcast, 
I, I, I talk to alumni in addition to students and, and, and faculty. And, you know, I know most of the alumni I talk to, they identify with a certain house or, or, or a street on campus. And when, when they show up on campus, they want to go there. They want to find the house they lived in when they were here and talk to the students who live there. Um, and, and so I, I asked the alumni that are coming on the podcast, where, where did you live? What was the house that you identified with? Bridget, I don't want to ask you that because you, you, you still live here and I don't want anybody showing up at your house. Uh, but maybe maybe we can talk about a, what, what part of the neighborhood do you live in and, and what, do you, what do you love about, about the student neighborhood? The student neighborhood is something that I think is so unique to Dayton um, and it definitely creates a unique culture. I was on Keith Aper last year, and that was, in my opinion, the best street ever. Um, I was very close to the wreck, and then I was very close to school, and I had a lot of my best friends were in similar houses right around me. Um, so it was a really great experience. This year, I'm still in the student neighborhood, um, different street, but much bigger house, which is nice. Last year, we were living in tight, tight quarters, <laughs> but nothing compared to my apartment in New York this past summer. So... <laughs> My house now feels like a mansion. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. If you if you had one meal on campus, Bridget, where would you eat? Um, probably ABP. That's a staple. I spend a lot of my time in the business school, so a lot of my meals are from ABP, and probably the Newport Turkey sandwich <laughs> is my favorite. So a- ABP is in Kennedy Union. And uh, I don't know how to say the full name. Do you know how to say the full name of ABP? Aban Pan, I think. Um, Sounds close thought, enough to me. We'll, we'll pretend it's right. I saw it in an airport and I kind of forgot that it's a chain. I don't know why in my mind, I just thought it was only at Dayton. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we hire that out. They come in and, and, and serve it for us. Um, Dan, I know you live in Columbus. Uh, and so you, you commute in to, to teach here for us, but uh, you, you stay every once in a while. I know you eat with your students sometimes and you, uh, wh- where would you eat if you had one meal, you know, in or around, in or around campus? You don't have to eat on campus. Where would you go? You have to go to Milano's, right? You have to have a, either a sub or a pizza. So I, I'd say Milano's would be the favorite. You know, the ironic thing living in Columbus, my next door neighbors just to the south of me, uh, Michelle and Andrea will give their last name, but they're also UD grads. And uh, when they heard that I was taking the job at UD, I mean, they bought me a flag. So now I have a little uh, UD Flyer Nation flag on my, on my flagpole. So that was a lot of fun. What's your favorite then, Trevor? I mean, if I'm uh, my go-to for lunch, I, I just I just had it today. Um, I, I go to BB Bob uh, down on Brown Street. That's my, that's my go-to for lunch. Uh, for dinner, you can't go wrong with pine cone. Um, but you know, sometimes there's a long line, so you may not want to do that. Um, Bridget, are there any courses or professors? Obviously Dan, Dan withstanding, uh, you, you, I'm taking Dan out of the pool. So I know if, if I let you, you tell us how great he is. I'm going to take him out of the pool Sure. Any, and finance 493 is off limits. Cause we've already talked about how great that is. Are there other courses or professors that have had a, a profound impact on, on your time at UD? Yeah, I would say um, Dr. Fulkerson is definitely one of my favorite teachers of all time. Um, He was very helpful when it came time for my internship, which I spoke to him briefly about. And then he emailed me asking to have a quick meeting. And he gave me, I think, five books um, to read and spent time with me, went on a whiteboard and wrote out a bunch of stuff. And 
I think that's pretty rare. I don't know a lot of teachers that would spend the time to really sit down and help their student get the internship. And um, it's been great. I think that was one of my favorite classes. And then of course COVID hit. So then we were sent home and it was a very different environment, Um, but he was a really good teacher. And I think genuinely wanted all of his students to learn as much as they could at the end of the day. So Dr. Fulkerson is a a fellow uh, native of Kentucky. So that's where (laughs) I was was born and raised and and he is as well. So we we share that nice little connection. Awesome. Dan, what's the next big initiative for the Davis Center? Well, uh, I think the next big initiative would be maybe get another outside client, perhaps. Uh, It could be a mutual fund. It could be uh, a fixed income platform. But uh, these are all ideas high in the sky right now. We're going to focus what we do best um, and take that $59.9 million and invest it in equities. And right now we have about 79 stocks in the portfolio and, you know, make sure that we are the best. Um, We were on a quest from good to great. And to maintain this ranking We'll have to be on the top of our game because, you know, we are competing against really some very large schools in the top 10, whether it's Minnesota, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's the University of Notre Dame or the University of Virginia. These are all top tier business schools and universities. So we have our hands full. All of those schools have, you know, larger, larger endowments. Um, you know, most of those are, are public schools with way more students. So it's a, it's a pretty impressive group that we we have a larger student managed investment fund than any of those schools. So um, congratulations to you all, to all the people that came before you in, in, in making that happen. Uh, Bridget, what are you most excited about as you look forward here to your senior year? Uh, probably being around my friends again. I feel like every time coming back on campus, it's the best feeling ever. I was telling my roommates um, that I personally feel like moving day is better than any holiday. Um, it's better than my birthday. And so it's been nice to be reunited with them over the past week. And I'm also very excited to have um, classes back in person. I feel like that kind of changes the culture of the campus a bit when everyone's remote. And obviously this past year we had to do what we had to do, but I'm excited for us to all be back in person again. Yeah, COVID kind of changes your mindset and, and you, you know, the little things you might have taken for granted before, uh, you certainly are not going to take, take, uh, take for granted anymore. Uh, so being, being on campus, the, the energy level when the students move back is, is unbelievable. You can feel it everywhere on campus. Even yesterday, we had a, a new faculty orientation and just walking down the hall to the classroom where we were meeting, I could hear everybody in there chatting. And it was, it's a noise I haven't heard in a really long time. A bunch of people in a room talking. Uh, we're all masked up and safe, but it was, it was really, for me, pretty exciting to be back and to think about having all the students uh, on campus and in the classrooms is, is going to be pretty, pretty cool stuff. Um, anything else that students, faculty, staff, alumni should know about the Davis Center or the Flyer Fund that we haven't touched on today? I feel like, um, I mean, we have to thank the school because they took a big chance on us and we were very fortunate to have the opportunity to manage this much money. And um, it's great to say that we're the largest fund, but I think on the other side of that also is that it we want to generate high returns, but we also want to make sure that all of the students um, are set up really well for their career. And I think um, that has definitely improved over the past couple of years. We've seen some really great job placements and 
We have 100% job placement by the end of senior year, which I think is something to be pretty proud about too. I think to add to that is, to, you know, it's a nice accolade, but it is, it's also good to be humble about it. Um, we should be very thankful to the Board of Trustees and their ongoing support of the student fund over the last 22 years. We're, Trevor, we're thankful for your office to giving us the support and the resources to continue to manage. And we're especially thankful for the benefactor for the Davis family, Dick and Sue Davis, to have the vision and then the continued generosity to invest in this program. And without their support, we would not be number one. Yeah, I mean, I think this program is a, a testament to something we teach our students, something that, you know, is, is fundamental to, to entrepreneurship, right? So, you know, the, the Davis Center, the Karate Center, are two of our, our sort of well-known publicly, public-facing centers, and you've got to take risk. Right, the university took a risk. They put they put a million dollars out on the line that students could have could have lost. Right, uh, this is this is real money. So when we talk about experiential learning, right, you're you're putting you're putting theory to practice, and and we like to call it consequential learning, right? Because Bridget and her team are making investment decisions that have consequences. They, they can grow the university's endowment, or or they the university's endowment can decrease based on the the decisions they make. And there's um, you know, a million dollars is, is consequential. $60 million is really consequential. So um, really enjoyed chatting with you all today, talking about uh, the Davis Center, the Flyer Fund, uh, life on campus, all, all, all the fun things. So thank you all for joining me. I uh, really appreciate your time. Thank, thank you. All right. So I hope our listeners join us again next time. Go Flyers. Thanks for joining us for the Business Class Podcast. If you'd like to engage with us further, please follow us on social media. Our Instagram and Facebook accounts all use the name SBA. You can also email the Dean's Office with questions or suggestions for future podcasts at sbadean at udayton.edu. No matter where you are on your career path, we are proud that you're part of our Dayton Flyer family.